I'd like to be in the friend zone. I'd like friends. It's not as pleasant as you'd think. <laughs> they don't treat you like a friend. They treat you like an item. Sometimes I wish I could be more than just an accessory to these women. But unfortunately, as a gamer, I don't get respect. Well, I'm not a gamer, so maybe they'll respect me. That just makes you a beta cuck. That's, <laughs> that's the difference between you and I, Silver the Hedgehog. I'm a, I'm a alpha gamer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, where are we where are we dropping, boys? These are all the new maps that they've added, and that's a newspaper. Have you ever actually interacted with a woman in your life, Mephilus? That doesn't matter. Ladies, gentlemen, enemies, welcome to Warrior Desho's stream of thought. And tonight we're going to be covering episode five of Keep Your Hands Off the Ace Kid. Uh, I mean, you know, Domo Regasso, Mr. Robosso, got to get that out of the way given the theme of the episode. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I really dropped the ball. They're not coming back at you with a robot reference of my own. I Damn don't know. It, you, danger, Will well, Robinson. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. There's one. Oh. <laughs> That's all that robot was ever good for. Let's be honest, though. Like, oh, wait a did, minute. Did Am that... I mixing up the voices? He might have been more of a deep voice robot, and I was doing like Alpha from Power Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> also, equally useless. <laughs> no, definitely. Zordon, Zordon, the Rangers, retrieve them. Like that's all oh, he was ever Jesus good for. Christ. Yeah, but I think the Lost in Space robot was more like Danger Will Robinson. Danger. Like more. Well, ridiculous. screw it. I've the got vacuum myself arms. material for their next death battle, I suppose. <laughs> You know. Um, <clears throat> anyway, yes, welcome everyone. We're going to be talking about Ace episode 5 today. I'm Shane, joining me from across the pond, but close to that is the Soul Doctor. I tend to think on display is actually above me, although technically mm-hmm. he's also this direction, I think, if I remember my compass points accurately. Um, so we'll be getting to that pretty soon. Um, but first off, I think we're going to talk about polls from last time, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Doc? You're correct. We're going to talk about polls and then briefly mention the episode director. Um, once again, Sakuga blog slacking. Slacking, not having production oh, notes. <laughs> you're not, you're not dairy goes to those people. You know? I, I mean, can't. Uh, some... I mean, if that's not obvious, it's a joke, right? Like that uh, they do such hard work. I imagine it takes a really long time to to gather a lot of the stuff that they that they compile, honestly. But um, so yeah, Twitter polls. You're quite right. So we do these polls every stream of thought uh, at Watery Show on Twitter to participate if you'd like to vote. We uh, put them up during the show, so there'll be new ones up this week. And then we wait for the week to go by and read the final tally uh, at the beginning of the next week. Uh, These are still, uh, because I think we might have recorded on, did we stream on Tuesday last week? I don't recall, but either way. I don't remember what happened earlier this morning. Um, So I think that's a bit beyond me right now, to be quite honest. I'm sure it'll come to me. Much later after the stream's <laughs> over, and it's of no longer of any use to or import to us. Regardless so. of why, the current polls are still up, so you can vote on them mm. for at least a little bit. I don't know when exactly they're closing, but it says they have one day left. 
I don't know if that means like a number of hours. I don't know how. If you're if you you're in I mean? Iowa, this is the second most important vote you'll do today. Here, here. Oh, timely political jokes. I love them. They're great. They're great. Yeah, but go on, fucking vote. Yeah, just say Bernie, twenty twenty, baby. Uh, Easy. Azokin, episode four, poll number one. Uh, have you ever had a face like Asakusa's after she wakes up and comes out That's from under her desk? Right now, right now. I've even had. I don't have hair immediately, but I've substituted a hat just because I'm not uh-huh. haggard. Well, so uh, the winner so far, um, the the one leading the race is every day ending in Y with half the votes, fifty percent. And you, you, I feel you all. I really do. I know. And then so like the other two splitting votes are it happened for sure, like as in once maybe, uh, and then sleep is for the week. The the old nos there, you know. I don't sleep because <laughs> sleep is the cousin of death. Uh, that is an unhealthy. <laughs> exactly. Way to approach your life. Don't do it. Azekin, episode four, poll number two. Have you ever done a group project that <laughs> that evoked the same kind of frustrations and collective decision-making process uh, and pragmatism shown in this episode? Yes, it's taking it right now uh, in a 75-25 split. And it... I actually feel very jealous of the 25 isn't here. Uh-huh. Because like I say, I've done some group projects in my time where you have that one guy... That one fucking guy. And he's just there like, you know, it's okay. I'll contribute eventually when the heat death of the universe happens. Sometimes it's been a while. Sometimes it's been that one gal, but most of the time it's been that one guy in my experience. Mm -hmm. I can't say it's never been that one gal. There is, it has been a gal before. Um, But it's being useless a gender in of itself. (laughs) Exactly. This is an equal opportunity uh, uselessness. Yeah, we'll we'll call you shit whatever you might call you you know yourself. Just saying. Poll three. Do you feel the show does a good job of educating the audience on various methods and techniques of animation, or at the very least works to help get people thinking about it? Now, as I said last week, we've done this poll before, I know. Uh, but currently, it was so it was so nice. We had we to had do it to twice. Exactly worth revisiting. Uh, it is a landslide, one hundred percent vote. Uh, there you go. In favor of yes, there have been. A couple of those one hundred percents, I feel, or at least landslide polls this season. We need, we need, we really need a klaxon some description. What I need, I need to get like a police siren on top of my shelves behind there. Every time we get one hundred percent, I just need to play it. We need to have a sound effect. Yes. Oh, I have a balloon just come like from this from the sky that has like hundred on it. If one of us had a mixer, you know, we used to do sound effects on stream of thought, but unfortunately, Shadon couldn't hear them. So only you, uh, listeners, and myself got to enjoy the joke, and I just—I had, I had to just imagine it. <laughs> exactly, you had to listen back if you wanted to know. But uh, if we if we had a mixer, one maybe one day we'll have a mixer. Um. So poll four: If you were the budget committee, would you, would you have approved the carbohydrates amoeba project? <laughs> it's like a Metal Gear thing, <laughs> the carbohydrate amoeba. Amoeba. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Amoeba. Carbohydrate. Can carbohydrates bloom on the battlefield? Snake, look out! <laughs> Snake! It's a giant amoeba! It's feeding you biscuits. <laughs> I'm the amoeba! Who is I'll that get supposed you solid to be? Snake. I don't know. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I believe you, actually, now that, you've, now that you've brought that up, Metal Gear, though, like... Mm-hmm. That's not going to be the uh, the last time I'll reference Metal mm. Gear today, trust me. For, for what I hope will be obvious reasons. Very good. 
So the the results are uh, lol no is uh, is leading seventy thirty. Um, mm-hmm. Not quite exactly seventy thirty, like a few, you know, pers- like point, like seventy point point six to twenty nine point four. So yes, seventy thirty. Uh, carbs for all losing. So um, I think we have a reasonable electorate. <laughs> I think we're, that's well, I mean, we all know how the T virus came about. So let's not <laughs> let it happen. You know, exactly. Don't be. That's green- how this shit starts. You know, you start with a science project mm-hmm. where you just want to make carbohydrates out of amoebas, and the next thing you know, you've got patient zero walking out your front door, and that's it. It's twenty eight days later. The human race is done. Actually, Fucks. what you know? What? I've changed my vote. Approve the carbohydrates. <laughs> Wow, you're very you're very nihilistic. Since when did you become like the new Nostradamus? You're not willing to wait end, anymore. End, end of the... <laughs> Let's wipe the slate clean on the planet and give it another go. Only Wari Deshno uh, listeners can... I, I can't even say the name of our fucking podcast right. It's a Monday. Wari Deshno, I said. Only Wari Deshno listeners get to remain to... I can't believe you're trying to save scum the human race. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. <laughs> Thanks a bunch. Poll five. Is ramen and rice an acceptable nutritional combination? No, it's criminal. <laughs> Winning, 80-20. Um, how do you feel about ramen and rice? As I, I, like, I, I like them individually. But mm. You don't mix them. You don't put ice cream on pizza. Or pineapple for that matter. And yeah, I will fight people on that. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care what your gastronomy degree says. You'll fucking put pineapple right anyway. No. Uh but no. I mean you can, rice, keep but why would you? Uh, d- 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 thank you. So yes, uh, you know what? Don't combine those two things. Keep them separate. Rice its own great. Ram its own great. Put them together, it's just it's just a mess. It's a mess. Why would you do that? So and again, that's coming from the club that's like trying to start the T virus, so Maybe they shouldn't be trusted to begin with, you know? So, I think this is a trick question, right? I mean, or at least... So, is it an acceptable nutritional combination? No. From a nutritional point of view, it's terrible for you. But, like, will it make you feel good in the moment that you're eating it? Hell yeah! It'd be great! The only thing it'll make me feel is a certain amount of questioning my life choices. You don't have to mix them together. You could just eat a bowl of noodles and then eat a side of rice. And you'd be, but, like, but, proper. But, you know, you'd be solid. But, but, but why? Why <laughs> do you want do both? This? Maybe they just... What? Did, 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 you don't are they, are the lunatics good? running the asylum these days? What's going on? <laughs> it tastes fine. Jesus Look. Christ. Okay. I mean, All I've right. seen some shit, but I didn't realize we'd gone this low. I'm not saying that they should be given a budget for this in high school. This immediate what for, what for biogenetic engineering? Yeah. I'm just saying, <laughs> sometimes you want to eat a little rice after you have your noodle, and it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Honey on pizza. Well, that's you thing. know what? That actually so Cesar poses a, a Sophie's choice of honey on pizza or ketchup on cheesecake. I feel like the latter sounds way worse because honey on pizza actually, you know, that actually doesn't sound awful. I feel like a lot of the uh, sauces people dip pizzas in are honey based, like honey, like spicy kind of of things. The only thing I want to taste of right now is the sweet release of death. Thinking about that choice. <laughs> Ugh. Why? Why is no. Yukinon bringing up zero two? 
Because it's me. Because he's trying <laughs> to set me up. That's to why. Wind you up. I, 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 I know him too well, unfortunately. A resident. You'll get yours someday. A resident artist. Um, you can. We well, have many artists actually, and animators in in chat lately. But uh, but Yukinon was the first to to do that wonderful Promise Neverland fan art. And if you haven't seen, I guess you could just scroll back in the Twitter as the only way to like surface that. But um, but you should do if you haven't seen it because it was glorious. The ski free, <laughs> just a classic Waru. Moment. But it's anyway, moment, anyway, enough, you know, nostalgia for my own podcast. Um, so, before we get into talking about uh, the episode here, the episode, what is the title of it? An Iron Giant Appears. Uh, no relation, unfortunately, to the Brad Bird <laughs> film of the same right. name, which is, which is in itself is a legitimately brilliant film, by the way. Uh, I get the feeling that Masaki Yuasa would appreciate that immensely. Would it surprise you if I said the words I haven't seen it? Because I haven't no, seen the, the no, 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 actually, it does it because you and I have had this very mm-hmm. discussion in the past. So I'm glad I remembered that because there was going to be a lot of like smashing and the swearing and the violence. When did know? it, can you Google for me when that came out? When did oh, the Iron the Giant occur? 90s? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think it was like 1998. I could be wrong on that. Okay, so did you see it when it first came out, or did you did you come no. to it later? Okay, so I came to it much later. I actually watched it like with a proper mindset the first time last year. Mm, wow, that's that's cool. Yeah. Um, great, great anti-war, great anti-hysteria film. Well animated, very funny in its own right. Great stuff. I loved it. So I need to get around to it, but I think and and many other things. Well, it, of, again, course, of course, of course, of course. Who am I? Look, who am no, I to complain about? No, no, that? no. Okay. So you also just got around to it. So you can't like uh, you can't bother me about this one. You just got around to okay, it yourself. Fine. And fine. Do note that it was 1998. So I was 14 years old. Uh, that is right around the age when cartoons, not anime, because I was discovering anime and how great it was. But it was it wasn't for kids. One kid stuff. It was mature adult shit, man bloody and sexual but cartoons i was too cool for you know fuck all that i don't need that did you life. just puff your color up <laughs> yes, while you said that That's, that was my attitude when i was a, a young lad of 14 that i was very moody and uh disaffected and too cool for uh animations yeah. that were made in this country god damn it <laughs> i mean all, all i'm gonna say now is if you pop your collar like if you start popping your collar anymore on this podcast i'm gonna start like you know whipping out the vodka <laughs> I might have to do it to induce the the vodka whip out then. Oh, between oh my god, you're all going to be the deaf in me anyway. <laughs> let's let's carry on. So yep. uh, that's I believe is the end of the polls. Thank you very much for mm-hmm. your contributions. To those we'll be put up a brand new set today. Uh, in the meantime, Doc, if you'd like to tell us about the crazies behind this particular episode, indeed, indeed, there won't be much to say uh, as with uh, last week as well, I believe, because Wikipedia has the episode director. Uh, pegged as uh, Satoshi Ifuku. Mm-hmm. And if you Google Satoshi Ifuku, you get like a Facebook link. You know, you get... Uh, what What else do you get? Let me let me see. Because I, I checked and you definitely... You get... Um, a co- co- uh, you get someone... Uh, you get a research gate or I got a research gate.net link to Shinsuke Ifuku. Definitely not Satoshi Ifuku. Um, 
uh, official Gazette of the United States patent and trademark newspaper from 1998, uh, containing okay. containing the words this is, this is, this Ifuku is and Satoshi. Thread. Let's keep <laughs> let's keep pulling this. Um, so basically, our, our lead uh, director here is a, is a Time Lord. He's been everywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's not even... Yeah, so nothing. You get uh, a diddly squat on the person. He's so, a Jane Doe. So I'm, you know, guessing that, once again, Science Saru uh, handing over the reins to someone who hasn't had uh, experience doing the job. And I must say that the results are speaking for themselves up to this point because they've been stellar. They continue to be stellar. And this episode uh, I thought was directed uh, extremely well. So uh, yes. kudos and hats off to you, Saru, and to you, uh, Ifuku-san. Indeed. All right, then. So let's move on to talk about the episode itself. And, well, we open with what caught me a little bit by surprise in a couple of ways. First off, I was like, wow, I didn't realize Azekin would be doing its own depiction of a Call of Duty level, but here we are. I mean, check that color palette out. Yes. Holy crap. See, it's just miserable and great. It's like Very living miserable. where I live, basically. <laughs> it's like every time I walk out the door, basically. Uh, but yeah, um, Ascusa's like going around saying, hey, what's going on in this school? Like crashing through panels and all that. Mm-hmm. Um and they arrive in what looks like a warehouse with giant footprints on it. Love the framing here, by the way, of like the door and, the, and then the giant footprints there. That was good stuff. Uh, and then, you know, they get caught by someone, some ominous dude in the in the hallway. And they try and make a break for it. But Mizuzaki, unfortunately, you know, she pulls a 1917. And you'll know what I'm referring to if you've seen that movie recently <laughs> by going straight over the tripwire. Uh, <laughs> but unfortunately... <laughs> <laughs> I love this in the fucking power supply. The uh, the only the only thing that was missing was the just have that. I mean, I'm watching it right now actually on my other monitor. Dunk. <laughs> it needs it needed a dunk. It needed it needed a dunk like that. And a like a uh, a slow motion like no. She falls over three times to yes, emphasize the exactly. effect. We're doing our own Asakin now. I like this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, so Askusa escapes and, you know, looks like there's some really, really strange things going on in the school, like robots being assembled, people being kidnapped. What could it possibly be? Who knows? But then Askusa goes up the stairs and finds out Kanamori's in on it! No! Dun-dun-dun! Betrayed. And Mizuzaki's been mind-controlled. Yes, there's a bunch of people there who are building a robot inside the school and taking over the minds of the others. But then, oh no, Asakusa is spied and she's hit by the mega missile of water. And Rip well, Asakusa. Said, yeah, you died. Dark Souls ending. That's it. <laughs> Game over. But but no, uh, unlike what I've seen in other shows, uh, that missile hitting her actually knocks the color back into it, believe it or hey, not. Hey, there you because go. Because the whole world, mm-hmm. yeah, the whole world goes back to normal. Um, that color palette, by she- the way, was... Um, and Cesar pointed it out. It was uh, sort of a noir. Uh, reference is not the right word, but like they were doing a, a noir bit, right? Where they yeah. were sneaking. The only about. thing that was missing, in my opinion, was some film grain. Exactly. No, that would have been perfect. That would have been perfect. And, that would have been. And it reminded me of because you know you think like uh, Asakusa says like it's not like a giant robot sci-fi robot crime, and it made me think: Are there robot crime shows? I mean, maybe, I guess, in a certain sense, like, Pat Labor is because they're all cops, but... Um, well, if, you, if you're if you Amazon Prime and you're marketing Mr. Robot, 
Oh, That's true. Asimov. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking more anime. No, there's there's definitely that whole thing in uh, in Western cinema and television. Um, I'm, I'm I'm sure that the, at least the one closest, of the closest yeah, Mister Robot as anime. So you actually could be wrong on that. <laughs> well, also uh, like you know, I guess and it, I've had fights with people about power suits being mecha, and they're like, no, power suits are not mecha. I consider them mecha. So I consider Bubblegum Crisis Mecha, and so those ladies are crime fighters in robot suits, and the Boomers, which is a fantastic and timely name for a bunch of bad guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> are, are who they're from. But, but I also thought the color palette reminded me of the 2004 uh, the Tetrogen 28 uh, remake by um, Yasuhiro Imagawa, the guy who directed... It reminded me a lot of a flag, actually, funnily mm. enough, in more ways than one this episode. Uh, not least of which, again, because the color palette looks like it was entirely out of the Dulux, you know, browns and beige uh, palette here. Um, all earth tones, all day. Totally, yeah. And, like, the characters didn't really have that tone in Tetrogen. Uh, it was more like the world just looks like shit <laughs> because of where it was. It was that palette on, on a lot of it. Um and Tetrogen is all about like Japan co- recovering from the war, so it's pretty rough times. Um, mm. But look, <laughs> power of Yuki. You gonna t- <laughs> bubblegum crisis is mecha. You could you could say that water is wet, and Yuki on would disagree. <laughs> no, he isn't. He likes to argue, but um, I'm just I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. No, but just I look. It it but is. I understand. Like I I actually get the argument. I mean, you know, there are people that want to like strictly stick to the like. Mecha shows are about giant bipedal robots. You know what I mean? Well, this is funnily enough what we're going to talk about later in this very same episode, Doc. So, I mean, did, have you? I, I'm going to have to ask the question now. Have you been part of a robot club yourself? Sounds like you know what the people in this episode are talking about. A robot club? Yes. I've never, unfortunately, you, you before, I've never you been. You were saying before you've had raging arguments about, like, you know, oh, what constitutes yeah. mecha or not. Well, this and is only. This entire episode. <laughs> I know. This is only a. In, in the anime like circles only talking about anime fans uh or just sorry talking with anime fans uh about did you smash a chair over anyone's head no it was over the phone oh. i wasn't in physical Jesus. proximity i couldn't do anything i could only i sent them what a, an amateur i obviously. sent them a computer virus i did what i could um wow I, I didn't really do that um i'm disappointed but uh in the fact that you didn't send it we were deciding we were talking about like our animes of the year and we were talking about mecha designs, and they were just like, "No, you can't count this one show because it's power suits." I'm like, "It's robotics." Like, if you look in the credits of Japanese animations mm-hmm. in shows that don't have what we consider mecha, but they have mechanical stuff, you will see like you know mecha design or mechanical mm-hmm. design, I guess. But like, or vice versa you will see like mechanical design as the credit for giant robots anyway this is a whole like path that i wasn't necessarily prepared to go down actually but <laughs> but i like to consider power suits part of the whole thing because it widens the genre and the appeal in my opinion you can tell different kinds of stories um and get people in the door to the larger kind of mecha mechadom. Because the Mecca shows are a thing that I really like, and I like to be able to get people to watch um, by selling them on different kinds of things. And once they got their foot in the door, you can kind of 
gradually mm. pull them towards other stuff. Um, but anyway, anyway, very cunning, very yeah. cunning. All right, there is so, a robotics club at my school's, uh, my kids' school though, which is. I'm going to assume that's awesome. nothing like the robot club at this one. Probably more like the actual robots they reference later on. Uh, anyway, so they are indeed uh, the Aizken. That is, they're all talking with the robot club because they have been commissioned. That's it. Business is booming, as they say. Uh, they have been asked to make an anime based on this particular robot. And this is the point where Askuza, you know, starts getting involved, like looking at the details of it, like saying, well, no, this panel's a bit, you know, I don't like this particular thing, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. A lot of discussion about all that kind of thing. And the realistic. robot club are all like, the robot club are all like, maybe we've been off more we could chew here with these, with these girls. Who knows? Like, they're so annoying. Ah. Ironically, but, they say that. And it turns out their yeah. president turns out to be the fucking most annoying dude in the world. Man, <laughs> have I got things to say about him when we get to him soon? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm ready. My heart goes out to him. I, I, you know, I I love the guy. Honestly, as a TV character, super annoying though. Super duper annoying. <laughs> he really is one of those well, actually, kind of people, isn't he? He is. Ah. He kind of is. Uh, but yeah they are indeed being commissioned to make an anime based on a robot so we then of course have our usual op which is all well and good and we cut to well they decide to the ace can decide to go on a location tour if you will to get some inspiration for Mm -hmm. environments and this is not the second time they've been going underground because you might recall that in the second episode mizuzaki actually arrived at school through the sewer so they've got (laughs) you know this is like a running thing (laughs) yep they've they've really been like you know consistent with this so asakuzi you know turns up looks at the door you know this gate that leads into the sewer area or the underground or wherever it is and she's bricking it because i mean we've already learned she's a bit anxious and you know like i again simply don't particularly blame her like for going down like thinking hey i don't really want to go down there in general so she tries to make a break for it because hey the gate's locks that's my get out clause but well kanamori you know to her, like, you know, locks is just, just merely a suggestion rather than something she has to rigorously, you know, adhere to. The function so of the door, the door is to open. All doors must open. <laughs> do you have a correct... Like, is there anything the Kanamori can't do at this point? No. No, Definitely okay, not. Right, right move, moving, moving on. So they start exploring, and this is the point where Askuza whips out her amazing little, like, get up, get up of, like, you know, <laughs> um, light-up sneakers, the kind that kids wear. Uh, the little like doll around the neck and all that. <laughs> oh man, it just that's talk about like flashbacks. That's what brought me back. Because when I was a kid, it was uh, that's a kitsch there. L.A. Lights, I think, were the shoes. The L.A. There were L.A. Gear was. I don't even know if they are still around anymore. If they make shoes, but the shoe brand called L.A. Gear made L.A. Lights. I think they were one of the first brands to market with the light up shoes and they were red. They were always red and they did not give a consistent glow. Like a socks are just kind of glowing green the whole time. But like these uh, LA lights would only like flash when you actually put weight on them. Um, So a real pain in the ass, if you're trying to play hide and seek in those shoes, they really get, I mean, and I, I've done that and it was not, I wonder where well. he could be. <laughs> Let's just follow this incredibly yes. luminescent light source. <laughs> There's no way that we possibly can fight. Oh, there he is. Yeah, I, I, I see you. I see you running. Ah, uh, dear. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it looks out, it looks like the guild's been commissioned. They're going exploring the underground. They make it a bit further and find, after crossing over this, like, rotten wooden room that really does look like it's a trap room of some description. 
like that's straight out of like some sort of uncharted shit that particular mm-hmm. room with the wooden floor askus are of course going round the sides uh they arrive at this open central chamber and they start envisioning like the pistol crab i think it's called is that right yeah like well it was a crab toll that they made crab toll that's it and, yeah and she said later that she you know, when she's talking about the specs, the club is like, that's too crazy and unrealistic. She's like, well, actually, it's scaled up from the pistol shrimp. And they, they punch, you know, with this much power and have this much pressure and create like a, a vacuum. And I just mm-hmm. scaled those up based on the size. So, fuck yeah. you. I know, I know I, science I believe, and shit. <laughs> I believe in uh, Japanese anthrop- anthropology textbooks, they are known as the Saitama. <laughs> they, they should be. If you had a pet, you you would have to name it Saitama. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, they conjure up this like crab creature, and they get all of their necessary photographs for this, including some wonderful little moments like Asuka's like you know being reminded, oh I, you know I am afraid the dark hold me, Kanabori, protect me, protect me, protect me, please. Mm-hmm. And hey, good choice. Like you know, if I were a ghost, I wouldn't fuck with Kanabori. Although you no. know there is one idiot in this episode who makes that mistake later on. And I thought. Your life ends in five seconds from now, mate. That's it. Game over. Goodbye. <laughs> um, but on the way back out, uh, they go through that same room again with the wooden floor, and it collapses on them. And they're left in a bed of leaves, which apparently is filled with toxic gas or something. I don't know, maybe the fresh scent of pine is too much for them to handle in such a small space. Uh, but this is the point where Ascusa gets them out through a rope in like invention. You know, like tying up to a sock and a Swiss army knife. Uh, put a pin in that, by the way, because we're going to have a discussion on whether or not that actually happened. Oh, that's say. interesting. That's, because they really, I was like, wow. Um, it was not Wix, Asuki. It, it's, it's, uh, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a, <laughs> a robot show from 2016, 2017 that uh, released a couple of episodes and had to be stopped until the next season. Um it was a very Madoka-esque. It wasn't Wixos or something else. I'll have to dig it up. It started out on uh, Ill- ill-fated uh, anime streaming service Di- uh, Daisuke. Does anyone out there remember Daisuke? Oh, yes. <laughs> it was yep. the I worst mobile that. streaming experience I've ever had. 100%. No doubts. No questions. Uh, um, did you enjoy the 72p display? <laughs> yeah. It technically, Cat was its own QR code. Amazing. Um no, but so that's really interesting. So you don't think you think there's a possibility this didn't happen? Um, well, she is a we, survivalist, we'll right? I mean, that's that would be in keeping with her character. We'll we'll see. Okay, okay. We'll, you know, we'll discuss this. I'm not debate. I'm not signing one way or the other. Yet. I'm just going to put that in your okay. minds to think about. Sure. Um. So anyway, I would be neglectful if I the way if I didn't mention it. They came up with their own design for a robot in this uh, little moment here. Uh, which includes one of the most amazing features I think I've seen on the robot, which is it uses a chainsaw to travel with. So good. Just stick the chainsaw in and just off you go. And I'm just like, love it. Absolutely love it. It's not even what it's for, but that's great. That is absolutely great. So they make it back to the clubhouse, and I need to point out Asakusa has an amazing pointing face here. That's that's a, that's a pointing face that tells you shit's going to get done. And I thought Kanamori was the sole, like, you know, net exporter of, like, you will do that why I tell you in the club. Apparently I was wrong. But yeah, um, this is the point where we get the actual idea of this episode brought to full four here, which is, initially, 
we of course had the girls talking amongst themselves about what they wanted to do. But now they're actually delivering a product for someone else that's on the specification that's yeah, given to them. Very interesting. And there's a lot of discussion. Yes, and there's a lot of discussion here about like you know what do we, how much leeway do we want to have in what we want to bring to it versus what they want, which no doubt will be something me and Doc will be uh, discussing after the end of the plot summary. But unfortunately, there's dastardly deeds underfoot because oh no, oh no, oh my god, this guy, this this fucking guy. Honestly. Do you reckon if he ever, like, encountered fun, he just, like, stood on it by accident and killed it? Because he decides, you know what I'll do? I'll come up with a plan to take down the Azerkin. I'm like, well, I know you might not have many brains, but you've got big brass balls, mate, because if you want to take on Kanamori's group at anything... Good luck! <laughs> you, yeah, really, really good luck. Um, but unfortunately, oh no, you know, he runs his mouth quite a bit he'd probably be a good podcaster as it turns actually um, he, he because would he would be a good internet personality i think shock shock radio i reckon <laughs> you know that kind of thing so he decides that what he'll do is he'll start yelling about this while the girls are all waiting outside to meet with the robot club uh, and they come in of course and find that he has written in a massive scrawl on the whiteboard take down the azakin which loose lips shink loose lips sink ships man and Canterbury just drinks this moment up like Mm, mm, mm. She is a psychic vampire, in my opinion. She loves every moment of it. What a vibe check. <laughs> oh, <Indeed>. boo. <laughs> what? So, Ono's actual uh, beef, if you will, is that he's all into the realism of, of giant robots. Which, man, there's, there's some harsh lessons to be learned in this moment. There's some hard truths, if you will. Because they've all rightly point out that robots, uh, giant robots in particular, are completely impractical for anything that you could get them to do after a certain size. Like, with like for robots to be practical, they would have to be probably smaller than we are. Like, you know, you have things like mine clearing in robots and whatnot, you know, and robots that you send into, like, you know, contaminated areas. We're not talking, like, you know, actual giant bipedal mecha as far as things that are actually, you know, uh, practical. And Ono's, like, you know... He's actually kind of sad about that because he just wants to pilot a giant robot for once in his life, which is a real shame. Um, but living in the this wrong timeline. <laughs> yeah, this is the point where, by the way, after an amazing framing shot of how giant the table is, showing the distance between them, this is the point where the bridge is made. Because Askuza says, mm-hmm. "I dream about the vastness of space every time I take a bath. I just want to go there some point." And indeed, that is consistent with all of the things we've seen thus far about her taking flight and also actually being in space, repairing the spaceship in episode three. And then, well, um, Mizuzaki has pretensions towards, you know, uh, mastering her chi, shall we say. I mean... Every night before bed. I'm sorry, the the question I have to ask, though, is if you really do want to learn how to do a doken, don't you also want to do the other moves as well? Don't you want to learn how to do the uh, ta- like this is the Tatsumaki, I think it is, the helicopter Yeah, kick? that'd be the hurricane kick. Uh, what about the Shoryuken? Um, I would settle for just one. I wouldn't be greedy. As long as you could do a Hado, you could throw a fireball. You know? I mean, I'll give I'll give credit to Mizuzaki. She's, she's pretty high tier, but I mean, we all know in the game of Azuken that Kanamori is like SS tier, god tier even, if you will. Hi, Jessica. It's a bit unbalanced, this game. <laughs> it is a little unbalanced. Um... Really cool thing to point out, um, and I could do this during the talking points, but we're here. We may as well just do it now. It's very quick, but uh, real funny uh, how at the beginning of this meeting, 
you get this incredible like low shot where you see the table looks so long the distance between them. That's what I mentioned. Yeah, that's it. But like once once they've all started crying and they come together and they stand up to shake their hands, it the distance has grown so so short and they're able to simply just reach across the table and touch each other. What except what a nice touch. Except for Kamaru is like, you know, I have a real problem here. And that's, I love, by the way, repeated gags like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great. I have a real problem with people who insert things. I, I have a real problem with people. <laughs> that's just me right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's, that's, that's just me when I'm having a bad day. Uh, but anyway, yeah, they actually then bridge the gap here, get everything sorted. And that's when they start conceptualizing as a group. So. What we have here is, again, the Greatest World sequence we've seen a lot of times before, where it's just kind of like the iterative process of adding things in, taking things out, and so on, in this design for this robot. Um, and they discuss it with uh, the robot club, taking some stuff out that Ono's not into, like he still wants things to be a bit realistic. We get a scene of switches, for example, which, by the way, I love. Uh, I'll oh, talk about that in a bit. Heck yes, me too. <laughs> that was, um, I love the control great. panel, man. I love the control. But I love what they it's said, true. too, about it, so... Yeah, um, so they're going through all of that uh, and actually bringing the club in to become more of a collaborative process, which is really neat. Uh, and that ends them with them designing the entire robot. It, by the way, has a drill. And as I was watching the iterative process of the drill be- bit being designed, I was like, this is absolutely the time for you to make a Goran Lagan reference. Come on, show. Go. Fuck. <laughs> they, they, didn't, uh, they didn't want to be too obvious. And they, oh, mate, come on, they had Future Boy Conan, and they didn't even <laughs> ask for permission before they started bringing that in. Well, that wasn't even Jesus. a reference. That was more just like, we lifted this shit. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah, and it I mean, wasn't that's even... That's the end goal of piracy, isn't it? it? Like, you, know, if you can't actually copy it, just, just draw it yourself. It's just art, man, just stealing other people's shit. That's just what, what artists and creators do, man. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they didn't do the Gurren Lagan reference, and admittedly, I have not seen all of the Gitter stuff, but I've seen a bunch of it, and it didn't really look like a, a Gitter reference either, so the drill was definitely way more practical and realistic. Um, more like something you'd see in... Even though you don't see it in Galgagar, it's more like that. Like, Galgagar was all about having realistic tools, like a screwdriver that could open, like, a a rift and dimensions and mm. you know things like <laughs> things like that. I, I mean, you, when you and I start talking about designers cockpit, by the way, we're going to reference a different trigger property. I'm sure of it. Well, not even trigger, but the people who came to make a trigger uh-huh. eventually. You probably know what I'm referring to. Taps head. Kynex. Yes. Well said. <clears throat> So yeah, they designed the robot, they've given it all these elements, they've got all of the various, like, you know, a cruise monster and all that. But much like with the end of episode uh, three, that's it. We're going to leave on a cliffhanger. We're going to see if, you know, it'll actually get going. Although, to be fair, the ending moment of the episode is it standing up. Heck yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. Indeed. Breaking out of uh, whatever purple encasement it was in. Was that like the old drawing it was breaking out of? I wasn't clear on that. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you. I think you're right, actually. But um, that otherwise is the episode. So a different thing than I expected, because mm-hmm. I thought, if I may just say, that this episode would be okay. We've just got the budget from the production committee to do our own thing. Now we've got to start this bigger project. 
but this is actually something different than that. That, and I'm actually okay with it. Totally. Far, but I was initially, I was initially like, mm, I would prefer to go straight into the thing that they were supposed to be doing next. But on the one hand, from a narrative standpoint, you can always do well to have a little bit of downtime and something a bit more fun. Mm-hmm. That's always nice. Um, by the way, Cesar has made an excellent point there that I'd be remiss not to point out. Uh, which is that the robot ends up being a Swiss Army knife, just like the one Ascusa uses before. Oh, well, that's well, handy. Are. Yeah, well I didn't even think about that, but it totally is. Indeed. So I actually don't mind this at all. And on top of that, like you know, I think this episode serves a very strong purpose. Uh, in, like I say, we had internalized group politics before between the three of them. The clash particularly between Asakusa and Mizuzaki in terms of what they wanted to do, what they wanted to bring to the table above all else, mm-hmm. and the compromises they had to make. But now they're working with an outgroup, a contractor, if you will. Indeed. Which I think is a very good next step for the show to cover. Yep. All right. So, talking points. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a major one that I want to get into that's going to be something I'm going to want you all listening at home to help me with, if you would. Uh, and I've got our patrons to offer some assistance with this as well. Because... If there's one thing I can say about Azek, and like, there's a lot of stuff that you and I can talk about that's super serious about it, and I don't think necessarily all of that may be merited because this is a very light-hearted show. It's just a funny time, oh, it's, you know. It's merited. It's how dare well, you? It's merited. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's the thing, right? Let's ask everyone the question: Why do we love Giant Mecha? Why do we love Giant Mecha shows? Mm. What bring? What What do they do that makes it work for us? What makes a great Giant Mecha show? So I'm going to leave this to you first, because you're a huge fan of Giant Mecha, and I know that you've got thoughts on this. I am, uh, although I... Str- oh, before you begin, by oh, yeah. the way, okay. uh, people in chat, sound off with what your thoughts are as well. I'd love to hear them mm-hmm. all. Yeah, tell, tell us why. Let's get some conversation going. Tell us what you love about robot shows, or if you don't like them, why don't you like them? Like, what do they, what do they not give you? Um, and then I'll tell you why you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> wow! No, no. It's our podcast. Damn it! Totally. Uh, would would not would not invalidate or attempt to invalidate your dislike for the, the subgenre. Because mecha, like, I, do you consider mecha a genre or a subgenre? I've always thought of it as a subgenre of science fiction. Mm. I'm gonna go with a subgenre because I think for me, like, it's all well and good and easy enough to just have giant mecha fighting each other. But more often than not, you tend to then have it be the thing that you drape around a framework, like Gundam War in the Pocket, for example, which is your war, your war is hell message. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or even with, say, Gunbuster, which I was going to reference eventually, I might as well get out there now. Uh, which was about, you know, <laughs> which was about, you know, being forced to grow up faster than you could anticipate, perhaps even too soon, you know, mm-hmm. and the cruelty of, and, you know, coldness of time. But still had an amazing robot in it, don't get me wrong. Or even Macross, like Macross, yeah. you know, that's the name of the franchise. There's robots that's in Macross. The name of the... <laughs> no, <laughs> rubbish. It's just an idol show. Don't. <laughs> I, I, I'm surprised there aren't robot. Well, there was actually robot. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm surprised they haven't revisited that. No, actually, I... they did kind of with uh, what was the name Grace, but she wasn't an idol. Oh, yes, correct. She was just a cyborg. <laughs> and which is Sharon Apple technically a robot? I guess I guess like a like if she's in a computer. You know what I mean? She's sort of just an artificial intelligence. But are you a robot Sharon... if you don't have like a body to move around? A f- some kind of physical body. 
Oh man, there are people who are going to argue with us <laughs> for days on that. Because robots Let's not open that can. Robots of... don't have to be like um, artificially intelligent, right? They can just like be dumb laborers and just move shit around, right? I mean, that's why like, they you get criticized for being a robot, unthinking, just following orders. Well, that's something Asimov wrote a lot about, funnily enough. So, hey, uh, so yeah, like even in in Saint Macross, like you know the robots are in that. That's the name of the franchise. That's the name of like the big ship. But if you think about it, all that's really secondary to what else is going on in it. Valkyries. So I would agree. Blow I, I, I would. <laughs> I would agree that is a subgenre that you blend together with other stuff. Like you know, it's the uh, it's the secondary ingredient. You know, the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes people just love sides. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the portion of the side will be will be huger. Um, but I, <laughs> yeah, I think it can be the main component. But again, like I think it's just a kind of sci-fi story that you can tell typically. Uh, but okay, so why why do I like um, boy? Why do I like robot shows? Okay, I've only thought about this for like half an hour. <laughs> I could probably come up with like a really a, a more this could be its own podcast. I suspect a more nuanced or, or more well thought out answer, but um. A couple different reasons, and this is going to mainly speak to why I like super robot shows, hmm. because they're, those are my uh, preferred kind of robot shows. Now, if you don't know what I mean, um, around the time uh, that Mobile Suit Gundam came out, which is 1979, I believe, the TV series, uh, robots largely up to that point had been, uh, in anime, these, like, bright colored uh almost uh mechanical superheroes that either function on their own or people got into pilot and then they could do like you know feats of all kinds of superhuman ability and they were Mm. just machines of mass destruction or mass heroism and like craziness like shooting rocket punches drilling to the center of the earth like Mm. cutting shit open with a heat axe like it was all about like the kind of over the top spectacle. Um, I say all about it. That was a fu- that that was um, part and parcel of the package. Um, and later we kind of identified shows that do that sort of thing as super robot shows. And, and that's the kind of thing that speaks to me. Um, but I do like real robot shows, the other side of the coin. And Gundam started this. Although if you look at the original Mobile Suit Gundam, it looks very much and smells very much like a super robot show. Um, when you look at the RX seventy eight dash two, the like, the Gundam itself, um, it is a super powered prototype. You know, has a lightsaber, mm. can do all these crazy things. There are like psychics that pilot it. Spoilers, um, and a lot of Gundam shows have that where the robots are just like you know I have a like huge like laser scythe and could blow up the the ocean (laughs) and (laughs) but like uh what gundam had in it with the other robots was like hey these robots are just a slightly more kind of uh ramped up version of like a tank or, or some other like war machine or or machine of labor 
Uh, and you have shows like Armor Trooper Votoms, which went that way with uh, the scope dogs. Like if you Google Votom scope dog, you'll see and like all the robots are some variation on that. <laughs> they, I think that I like them. They look really cool, but like they might as well just be tank units. And uh, Pat Labor has like um, big humanoid uh, Ingrams, the Ingram uh, AV-98 units. That are just like big cop cars, basically <laughs> that can do that can do some cool stuff. But um, and so yeah, that's what the real robot show is. Is like you know, it's of course a science fiction story. It's not completely realistic, but it's like more grounded. Like it sets the set of rules, and the robot isn't meant to at the end of the show gain a super rad power up that breaks all the rules, right? Um, mm. so those are the kind of like there's stuff on the edges, the borderline stuff in between. But largely, you most robot shows are either super or real robot, right? Um, mm. And um, so, yeah, like this. So Zoe is talking about interaction with the pilots. That's another big thing. Like in super robot shows, that often is a trope, right? Like the mm. the robot and the pilot are like functioning together somehow. Like they've joined up and become mm. one. Like and it's oh, it feels you feel the energy in my heart and that's why I can go up to 11 <laughs> now. And like, you know, whereas like, again, in real robot shows, the robot is a machine. And if the ro- and if one person is really, really, if one robot is really, really great, it's just because the pilot is really, really great in terms of like, you might have someone that can pilot an F-15 way better than other people. Mm-hmm. We're talking about that kind of thing. But anyway, this has been a history lesson. It's supposed to be why I like robot shows. Um, I love the larger than life spectacle. I yes. love it, yes. love it, love it. Just things that are, I've talked about on this podcast before how like anime being batshit is a thing that I just, <laughs> I still love. And it used to be way more of a reason that I love anime. Just like the most ridiculous out there, like Gurren Lagan, we've been talking about some really great examples. They have like probability altering warheads. They have ro- oh, yes. robots that like throw galaxies at each other, like just pick up a galaxy in its hand and throw it uh, as a projectile weapon. <laughs> Man, I, I now you're making me think of Promare again, which I saw <laughs> last year, and oh, the giant robot stuff in that is great. Uh, I mean, like, you know, it, robots are impractical, like as is said in this episode, in terms of like you know, not being realistic. But who cares? You've got some amazing stuff going. Like, are you willing to tell me the big O's like piston punch isn't awesome? Are you really going to tell me that, even oh. though it's completely and utterly daft? Man. If you think about it in the most literal terms, this is okay. I haven't seen Big O by O, but I've seen that. Oh, but it's, oh, it's so good. Like another another reason I really like robot shows is um, I really really like when it doesn't happen all the time in fact these days it doesn't really happen often i was gonna say i don't really i've done a bad job of keeping up with like current robot shows because um i don't know something about um there doesn't seem to be that many of them anymore there's there's not there's not a lot and like what they say you know allude to in this episode you know do you remember when mizuzaki says hey can we cover the joints up (laughs) Mm. um i think you know people have been saying this for as long as I've been listening to anime podcasts, but people, uh, there just aren't the people that know how to draw robots anymore. 
um, that are coming mm-hmm. into the industry or still live in the industry. Um, you know, they were asking Memro Oshii um, in an interview he did right around the time Skycrawlers came out. Do you remember, have you seen the Skycrawlers? Nope. I think you would like it. It's it's a neat movie. I think you might have some issues with it, but I, I like the message a lot. But um, I'm the nitpicky guy amongst us, you know. If I, if I didn't have issues with it, I'd probably be like, you know, be more concerned than anything but, else. But you like Memro Oshii, so I think you would like this movie. Um, but like he, they were asking him about the planes and Mm. he was like, yeah, they have to be CG because nobody knows how to hand draw them anymore. And, uh, Mm. so that's a real thing. That's part of why there aren't as many robot shows. Um, so like, and I'm not saying I, I can't handle 3d mecha and shit. I mean, I love like, and Lagan, Lagan, like if when you Promare. see Promare, you're gonna you're gonna realize how right you are that you know. Hey, there's plenty of opportunity for CG to mm-hmm. do some really great. Totally. Stuff. I mean, Promare, like you know, I think also lived very much on its sense of style, uh, but nonetheless, like you know that. I mean, come on, it's Imaishi. But before but that, that's it done. Before the land of the lustrous anime was a glint in the eye of Studio Orange. They were doing the mechanical animation for yes, majestic majestic prince and that's that show is great i love majestic didn't they do, didn't they do stuff for macross as well if i remember oh yeah they, they did mm, i think they did for delta some stuff yeah I, i'm i'm almost positive that's right so yeah I, it doesn't have to be 2d for me but like um but just i i don't know i don't want to get into me being an old man or some bullshit about current <laughs> mecca but anyway anyway <laughs> we'll count we'll we'll, uh, we'll count the rings yeah. up, you know i mean if anything if anything I feel like I have, uh, I, I can shirk that label by saying I like Die Buster more than Gunbuster, and if you're a fucking old man who loves robot shows, that's anathema. Like most people <laughs> that like were just like, oh my god, Gunbuster two. Why is this called Gunbuster two? It's not the same. Like, <laughs> man, I'm I'm st- I'm still proud of having the most centrist fence city opinion ever on uh, Die Buster, which is it was okay. <laughs> I think that still to this day, I'm sure, makes your blood boil. Uh, it, like, I can't, I'm not even mad at it. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, I'm no, I'm good. Right. No, but but listen, no. So I haven't even talked about why I like robot shows. <laughs> we keep getting sidetracked. <laughs> so reason number two is like the animating of things like uh, the Big O's piston punch, like those simple actions. Yes. Just like there's the opportunity there to make them, like to to do so much, like to craft all that detail and lovingly make a thing that's why i'm okay with in in mecha shows um stock footage for like transformations and stuff if that gives the animators more time to lovingly craft the robot doing cool things i'm all about it i'm all about it and uh thalesarchus uh how do you i think that's how you, maybe thalearchus i'm not sure how to pronounce this guy's twitter name but you know him. You've seen him on on Twitter. I've seen him. Uh, he he reckons that those transformation sequences are like the chorus to your favorite pop song. Um, yes. So yes, I like that. That is such an amazing actually metaphor. Now I think about it. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. So like I I like the power fantasy too. I can't lie and say that I don't. I mean, just like seeing like the extension of the human will through technology go out to like frontiers or, or achieve things that it could never achieve is super cool to me. And mm. also like, like you talked about Mecca as a framework for storytelling. Um, and, and why I think it's in keeping with science fiction is 
these things are often just the conduit for like big ideas about future tech or war or like um was talked about in chat i believe by felix um post-colonialism um they they just use the robots to uh as as part of painting a setting where they can tell um a certain kind of story and i just really am attracted to the stories that they've been telling in that genre again either from uh the point of view uh, or not point of view but from uh referencing things like gundam where it is very anti-war uh or like the pro like more of the trigger kind of or gynax way of doing things the like let's evolve humankind like let's move beyond like all of our old uh hang-ups mm-hmm. and prejudices and let's achieve something together uh, and that like circles back to that great moment in the episode where they start to the both clubs come together to design the robot yes. and they achieve something more than they could individually on their own with that yep. synthesis of ideas. I would agree. So for me, like um, beyond simply just giant robots being awesome, I think that if you want to boil it down, like one of the reasons that giant robots are so cool or mechs so cool or why people like them so much is because they are the ultimate extension of human action, as you say. Like, you know, they are humanoid in shape. You have arms, you have legs. And so, you know, let's say your robot loses its arm in a battle. You can feel that more instinctively than you could say if you were looking at a ship that was just getting shot. Like, that's something you can immediately say, oh, God, the arm's gone. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, that's 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 the eminently relatable, like, injury, if you will. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, because it is someone, like, you know, existing through the shell of a robot, like, you know, doing something like that's why all those awesome moments feel all the more awesome because it feels like an extension of human will as you say and i think that's probably the biggest thing for me that like i can imagine like it feels like an uh how should we say uh what's the word i was going to use there an extrapolation Mm -hmm. of sorts like you can imagine for example someone doing the like an actual human doing the equivalent of the big o piston punch like you know against some dude in the boxing ring and that's cool it's own Mm -hmm. right don't get me wrong but then you scale that up and there's just something so much more amazing about it, in my opinion. What if you put a power um, suit on the man in the boxing ring? Hmm. Well, then you end Megalobox. up box. Yeah, baby. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Oh, man. That was a good show, that. So really good. That one. I need um, to finish it. But I think also, I really have to just admit that I... It's not that like, one by you. <laughs> when, when, I, when I grew up, or when I was growing up, or rather when I was very young... Uh, I really got into Thunderbirds when I was much younger, and that's not a mecha show of sorts. I know that much, but I can see how it inspired a lot of mecha because it felt like the crush- like some of the episodes felt like a crescendo to something amazing. Like when a like like the transformation sequence, like you say, you know, when you start, you know, building up to that moment, like getting everything ready for the big like uh, rescue, if you will, or the big fight, like that, I think is personified really, really well in giant robot shows. So, yeah, and besides, it's just cool to see, tele- like, like, you can nerd out really hard about the specs of a robot that obviously can't exist. So, I love that shit. I really do. I wish there was more uh, giant robot shows being made. I, I understand kind of why it's fallen a bit by the wayside. Um, but, yeah, I'm, man, I mean, think of the switches, like, that uh, Mizuzaki works there, like, Completely and utterly unnecessary if you think about it. You don't need to have them in there to make a robot function. Like, the robot can do whatever you want it to do, whatever you need it to do. But having all those switches feels like a build-up. It's like, you know, the, how should I say, the overture. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes. Yeah. It feels like the build up something amazing. So, yeah, there's there's so many reasons, and I just want. Well, I mean, there's supposedly more Macross on the way, so that's what I'm gonna have to hold out hope for. Oh, oh, that will. That's too much of a of a. How do you call it? A cash cow. Uh, for for them to I let think. it go. We've got to have more Macross. Man. It must. It must. I mean, be. well, I mean, I mean, there's the. Uh, I think it might have already been out actually, and it's just not yet made it over here, in one form or another. That is because of various reasons. Uh, wasn't there the Delta film, or am I misremembering? There did yes. There there definitely was a Delta movie. Were there two? Mm-hmm. I don't. I feel bad because we're so we're like we're big Macross one. fans, but we don't know shit about the Delta movies. I feel like I'm, there I'm, was, I'm a There's a sequel. But is there also a compilation movie of the first? I think that's the case. I think one is a compilation and the other is, uh, you know, here is our heroine after the fact or whatever. <laughs> I love Zoo's answer there, by the way. I want a mech anime where one time they forget to flick one of the switches with disastrous consequences. Imagine that just being the whole episode where you have to go through the manual on how to start the robot up and you're just like... Oh god, uh, the, this got turn on this. Ah, oh, shit! Did it out of sequence? No. Oh man. Oh shoot. What is the name? I've asked this before on this podcast and come up dry because I can't remember. There is a mecha show from like 2003 or so. List uh uh somewhere around there, made by um. I think it was released by Genion over here. And it is basically about like the economics of giant robots. Like mm. basically, like they you know they barely get the robots started up and have this battle where you know it, it all goes really crappy and the main hero barely survives and the robot barely beats the monster. But like it's just all about it, it's just all kind of a comedy about like well doing this is totally unfeasible because of all the logistics involved and all the um, the money that it would cost to just operate it for one minute, let alone, you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> so I wish yeah. I could remember the name oh, of what, it. What was the name of the dude who did flag, actually? I, I joked about him on Twitter. Oh, Ryosuke Takahashi. Always. Yeah, he's, he's the one who's basically no fun when it comes to... He's Ono in this episode. <laughs> they are making... You know I'm right. They're making... Art, I think they're making more than one Eureka 7 movie. They did a, an Eureka 7 movie, uh, Good Night, Sleep Tight, Young Lovers, but they're they're doing like a reboot I, or it's either a reboot or they're making new content that's not just a compilation or a side story what are they called i forget what they're called they're something like evolution something like that anyway fuck i'm sorry i'm getting sidetracked <laughs> from chat cuz there's there are there's good mecha stuff around um but it's it's fair to say that it is not like the crown jewel of anime as it was in say like the 1980s where all the most well-known and most seen properties are robot properties. It's like, um, and, and is, was that even true then? I guess it's fair to, a fair question to ask of me, but I feel like on some level they're more well-known, whereas now that they're like pretty niche. And like we talked about, like a lot of the current ones are, are sort of recycling ideas from either other mecha shows or magical girl shows. Which, by the way, are the same thing. Don't at me. They're just the same <laughs> thing with a different coat of paint. I'm telling you, it's true. And 
And on top of that as well, I think another reason why they're so mecha shows are so popular, or rather, you know, so likable, is because as you say, it's the power fantasy. Mm-hmm. In like, if you, for example, let's say, you know, from Dragon Ball, I would argue not everyone can become a Saiyan or a Super Saiyan. Y- again, you would I know argue very little about Dragon. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Um, but in theory, even if you know we'll never do it, like you can watch a robot show and see someone piloting a robot. And think I could do that mm. if I learned. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, it's open to all. Anyone can put on that kind of, you know, armor or like, you know, pilot that robot and suddenly become immensely powerful. And often that's the core of a power fantasy, which is that not through like, you know, like physical means and such, but rather by having an external method like a power or some something else, you can suddenly go from being weak to being strong. And indeed, then we learn also how that can be subversed in itself. I mean, Evangelion. Shinji gets in the most powerful robot around, and he's completely shit scared still. Oh yeah, oh yeah. As as it all it all fits as you ought to be, I think, <laughs> if you're 14. And where's the cup holder? <laughs> shit. <laughs> do you reckon they put a cup holder? Uh, did did they put a cup holder in Navy Unit One? Did they have one of those tiny little cigarette lighter dongle things that you get out of like a car? I don't know if you could technically drink liquid when you're submerged in a vat of liquid. I got sworn they weren't in the Vat Liquid in that Ava, but then again, I haven't watched it in ages. So. They're in something called LCL, which you will learn about. It's meant to simulate uh, what it's like being in a mother's womb. Oh, God! For good, yeah, for very good reasons. It's all coming back to me now. Mm-hmm. It's all coming That's back why, to like, me now. when you see, remember the shot of Ray, like, it, she'd been ejected or whatever, and the tube is cracked? That's why all that orange shit is spilling out of it. Because they're in the juice. Couldn't it just be for the more pra- I mean, this is the realism thing. Like, I remember this is Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker of all things. <laughs> <laughs> because there's the fucking uh, Zeke, Metal Gear Zeke in that. And what's hilarious is that they have the cockpit be completely, like, submerged in water. Uh, and then they have Paz in it. And Paz is in, of course, the fucking skivvies because, of course. Oh. <laughs> uh, but the reason that they wrote in that it was underwater was because, like, it distributes the force of impacts, which is actually true. You know, if you were inside a vehicle sure. that was completely... Yeah. yeah, yeah, Like, that's how the physics were. But then, of course, they used that as an excuse just to have a fan mm-hmm. service scene for this character. So yeah. there you go. So, yeah, I, I hear you on that, but... Well, no, there's yeah. reasons. There's, there's, uh, no, there's good re- There's really good reasons why that's the case. Like... I'm sure. Really, really, really fucking great reasons why they wouldn't even be able to pilot the robots without the juice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You need the juice. <laughs> you've got to, You've got to have your Mountain Dew ready. I'm going to pull number three. Do you need the juice? It's coming at you. Get ready. Be ready for it. So yeah, I I think like you know, there's plenty of reasons that people can absolutely adore mecha anime. And uh, thank you, by the way, to everyone for sharing your own perspectives on that in the chat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going to just quickly read out some of our patron thoughts as well because uh, we do have those. So, uh, this one comes from Yukinon, who I believe is in chat at the moment, currently scheming the next way in which you can try and set me off. I know you've got plans, Yuki. I know they're on big boards around your room. Uh, He says this, I personally love mecha shows that highlight the pilot's abilities rather than the capability of the mecha itself. Seeing a pilot do his very best and push the machine to its limits, seemingly pulling off a miracle, gets my blood boiling in the good kind of way. Yeah, I I can hear you on that. Sure. Because I think also that's another thing that's quite neat about it, is that robots of giant mecha 
for the most part, have a fairly clearly defined set of abilities and attributes when you get them. Like, they're an understandable thing. Like, you know, it's like when you buy a car, you know the car obviously can only do certain things or has certain, like, top speed and whatnot. But then you can, like, do creative things with it. Mm. That's something I said in our After Hours podcast, by the way, where I said one of the best ways to write a combat in fiction or just generally any any sort of, like, you know, activity is where you have an established set of abilities or powers or weapons early on and you have them used in creative ways rather than constantly adding new shit in all the time. That's why JoJo's is popular, amongst other reasons. Um, because you get your stands set up very early on, mm-hmm. and then you see them use them in creative and sometimes incredibly obtuse ways. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would agree with that too. Uh, this one comes from Navy Sherub. Uh, I'm not super into mecha shows for the robots themselves, but I'd say I have a preference for designs or technology to emphasize physical melee-type combat over lasers and overpowered weapons. I like it when the action feels like it has weight to it. Mm. Real robot versus super robot, I suppose. I also agree as well. I think it, I mean, if Ace gets taught us anything, it's also how you deliver an explosion on screen that helps sell the impacts. But I mean, when you've got like a a robot with a giant minigun, for example, I'm in, or like one that shoots out giant shells that go bong on the floor, like the one in episode four from the tank. Mm -hmm. If you get that, I'm all on board with it. Yeah. But yeah, ro- giant robots, yeah. like, if you do them properly, do have a real sense of physicality and impact. I can't help but think of the scene in End of Evangelion when Asuka is um, fighting through all the the series of angels, like the white uh, robots with the angel wings. Like, if you watch that scene, that movie was made in 1997. I feel like it's still the creme de la creme of melee <laughs> mecha combat in terms of the sense of weight and momentum and impact like that you can feel with this robot swinging the big blade around and how the blade pushes into the machines and like her moving around in the cockpit with all that going on. It's just incredible. Even divorced from all the context of the movie, it's an amazing scene to see. Damn right. Uh, do you have anything else to add on that particular point, Doc? I love Mecca and... Please give us more. <sighs> I, yeah, I mean, I guess, again, <laughs> it depends on what you're doing, but... Yeah, it's just been a long time since I've sat down and watched a long ass mecha show too. Like I fucking just to miss it. just to throw throw out there. By the way, Cesar. Uh, yeah, there are some moments that are pretty egregious about that in JoJo's, not least of which being the ending of uh, part five. Which when I watched, I was like, right, I'm done. I've seen enough JoJo stuff for <laughs> quite done. a long time. I'm I'm sure Stone Ocean might bring me back around again if they get around to that um, date when David Pro do that. But like. I mean, you could never. I could tell Iraqi had risked himself into a car with that one. Like, how do I get John out of this? Uh, uh, things happen. Bye. Uh, I, I blooded order from fucking wizards did reference it. Reference in chat by Yukinan, aka the best guy, because he referenced Iron Blooded Orphans. Um, are you replacing him on? Are you placing me on the podcast with him I now? Am. Is that it? Pack your things. What a traitor! <laughs> you were here first. Well, uh, I mean. You're not even physically here, and I've still been backstabbed. <laughs> I, you know, I also, uh, I also have cut out uh, on JoJo's, but I did it way earlier than you. So you telling me I didn't miss anything? <sighs> I, I've got, I haven't that, finished that's a discussion I, for a different time. I, <laughs> I, I, sign up to our Patreon to get on after hours, and I'll talk about tell it. Tell me about why I should finish Stardust Crusaders. And uh, oh, that <laughs> and get and I have not seen part four. I've seen the first two. Man, the more I think about it, the better part four looks actually relative to the rest. But that's a discussion for a different time. Uh, right, um, Doc, I'm going to put the baton over to you. Do you have other talking points? Oh yeah. Um, 
so well firstly like how did why is it unexplained that there's a like a drink cooler in the studio now where did this come from why is it full of drinks where did they get the money for this who puts the drinks in is it the school do they bring their own drinks how are how is no one drinking the drinks in the scene if there's a cooler full of cold milk and shit they need all the juice for the mech <laughs> they need the juice you need the juice um, but go. what if it's not and all they, juice? And hey, maybe maybe Askuza had like many many more traumatic but hilarious accidents just saying you know that'll make bank get yourself a cool 30 grand each time in the end oh my god um my head is spinning now I lost track of everything I was thinking because I look <laughs> I looked out my window and someone's playing a guitar in our building. I can't hear them. Maybe they have headphones on, but like they're just playing a guitar, and that just doesn't. Are they playing the? Are they, doesn't happen. Are they playing Grooving Magic? Is that it? This doesn't happen outside my my. Groovy magic. That doesn't happen outside my office much. Um, get him in. Get him in here. Get him to play on podcasts. I will not. <laughs> I I'm I become like a saxo when it comes to strangers. I. It's Doc, it's all about the finished products. It's not about the toil and no. sweat to get to that point. No. Um, so, uh, moving on from the cooler, which again, an unsolved mystery. I feel like needs is worth investigating. Um, is... I've lost one page of my notes. Oh, yeah, the, um, the panel, right? The, uh, the control panel. Uh, Mizu mm-hmm. says this incredible thing when she is when they're flicking the switches. You know, uh, Kanamori is like, "Is this really necessary?" Like this whole control panel thing. And Mizuzaki's like, um, "Did the switches show that people making the robot anime ultimately put their faith in people?" Which I think mm-hmm. is like incredible. That it's it's almost line. ironic in a way, right? Because like people making a show about like these giant machines like they're these big big tools that uh are replacing or usurping like kind of the farthest reach that humans can do like the human body can only reach so far but the through technology like embodied in this bipedal robot um it can reach farther we can go higher and do more things but like but that control panel, the way it's set up, actually is is saying, like, this is still about humanity. And what you hu- can't operate unless they unless they work. What it. humanity can achieve. You could. I mean, you could build a machine that just like did its thing and it was artificially oh, yeah. intelligent. Like you could build an algorithm robot. And this is so funny, you know, it's syncing up be- with uh with Ollie's uh data video that I just watched today. Have you seen the newest philosophy mm. tube? I've seen a bit of it, but I've um, seen all it's, of it. It's very good. Everybody should definitely go and watch that. But yeah, he just talks about data and privacy and ultimately, of course, gets around to how how shit algorithms are and how like they fuck up because of all kinds of different reasons, um, but just because of the way that they're they're built. I mean, hey, it's, it's an algorithm that we've got to blame for Babylon, the anime, because <laughs> I can't believe that a human actually wrote it. There you go. Still sticking a knife in. Love it. So, um, 
so yeah, I really, I, I like that. I like that m- sort of explicit messaging that mecha anime are not about like phasing out humanity. Um, they mm. are very human stories. We're just kind of the next wave of tools that we're using are these, these mecha and they're, they're meant to be stories about people and say things about human race. Um, and that hopefully, you know, I mean, in the case of the Azokin, it's true, but you know, most of the time, uh, the, the message, even, even if, uh, is gloomy and is anti-war and is like, oh, we've done some terrible shit as people. You, hopefully the message is about like the the hope you know what i mean like you're putting your faith in people mm. to carry forward uh humanity into the future and to to move us to a good place now sometimes you get like the occasional not that like ava could have gone opposite that even though it doesn't um gundam thunderbolt definitely goes is is i i feel like that was a big part of the reason why i didn't like it is because it was a mecha show. It was a war show that showed no faith in humanity to r- write itself. I remember itself. you writing about. Oh, so you you did a solo podcast about way mm-hmm. back when. Yeah, it wasn't in which I think you 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 took the Saka community task for ignoring the well story. <laughs> I think oh. it's been a while since I've listened to it, so yeah, don't quote me. It's been on a that. while since I thought about it. Um, I think, I mean, and it was mixed very poorly, so I wouldn't recommend listening to it now. Um, necessarily if you can as long as you can ignore the technical faults um but yeah like i I guess what was i saying that like you know it's got a lot of great animation but like there's there's more going on and what was going on in that show was not uh it was very disquieting to me Mm. um for sure uh Ooh, yeah. Girls' Last Tour made mechas look like walking nukes. Um, the, the show I've told Yukinon that I'm going, about to get around to. I think he's actually, <laughs> I think he's actually requested that as a patron uh, officially. He's, yeah, I believe for you to cover. I believe he's got. Yeah. He, he's going to put me on the uh, on the front line, so to speak, to cover <laughs> that eventually. This isn't a man. I'm getting all the front. I'm getting all the front line reporting. I'm going to be doing flags mm-hmm. soon. I'm going to be doing the Girls' Last Tour. Getting it all in. Well, this is a prime opportunity I... for a plug, Shadon. <laughs> Tell, where where could people go if they want to become a patron and request you cover something well if you want to hear me talk about something at length uh, I've done for example uh, really awful shit like Shield Hero I've done Akikin I've done great things uh, I've done um, Tokyo Godfathers which is amazing and by the way game re-released in the US soon do check that out uh, and I've also covered the incredibly disappointing marketing exercise that was Guilty Crown uh, so I've done all those at length, and if you want to hear stuff like that, where I get to talk for like 50 minutes about a subject matter, you know, in great and exhaustive detail, uh, you can look at our Patreon, get yourself on there at patreon.com forward slash show. Five dollars here or higher, get yourself a ton of benefits, Discord access, get yourself, uh, you know, ability to ask us questions week on week about shows we're covering. You get our early access to our second stream where we're currently covering Jula Richard. You can help influence the future of the podcast by deciding what we cover next mm-hmm. season for second stream. And then, of course, you get to put yourself in the queue to get us to cover anime of your choice. Uh, with certain criteria, mind you. You ain't getting me covering no hentai. 
no uh an animal inspector or whatever got just got pulled off of Funimation. Oh man. <laughs> do, do we want to talk about that briefly just cuz I'm 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 really really amused by it. I just it. can't believe it took this long for it to happen. Like as long as streaming has been a thing, as many shows as these companies have been gobbling up to like Well, put Funimation out. put out Kabuki show Sherlock last time, so <laughs> any pretension on their part that they have standards is a lie. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, like I'm just I, again uh, interspecies reviewers, thank you, you know. Um, I, I, yeah, again, I'm just shocked that it took like ten years, pretty much. I mean, I, I believe, um, what's it called? Why is it leaving me? Tatami Galaxy was was streamed as it was coming out, and that's a 2010 show. Um, and I remember in 2011, or maybe 2010, um, Rainbow being simulcast. So. In one form or another, these things have been happening for 10 years, and certainly not at the volume they are now back then. I mean, but still, a lot has my, been streamed. To, and, like, that. To, to, my, to my understanding, though, Dot, like, I think, like, shows like Tiny Galaxy, you know, I've, I've heard that show's full of dicks, but the problem is that's, that's not the same as in Species Reviews, no, 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 which no, is no, also no. full of that's, dicks. That's not what if I, you follow <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, this is not. Yeah. I, um,. Yes, I I don't mean to say oh they streamed to Tommy Galaxy. Why didn't that get? Why didn't that get sent censored? Like <laughs> that's not what no, I mean. No, 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 no. It's just like um, I'm surprised that they have not run into this problem where they've licensed a show not realizing the amount of sexual content in there would make a lot of people uncomfortable. I'm just surprised it hasn't happened before now. Hmm. Fair enough. All right, then. Uh, so, over to me. Uh, let's talk about the scene that I mentioned before when Askuza saves them from the piss of oh, uh, yeah. you know, leaves or whatever it is. Let's talk about this. So, we can debate until the crows come home whether or not this actually happened or not. Because we don't end up seeing, like, the evidence is a little scant. Like, we don't see them, like, climb out. They just cut to the next scene, etc. Et you can make arguments all day. But I think this scene does serve a purpose. Which is this. It's been shown before in this in this show, particularly in episode two and also a little bit in episode one, that you know, getting involved in the idea of fantasizing about worlds like the creative process, letting your imagination run wild, can be a detriment. Hmm. You know, because you get too drawn into it, too focused hmm. into it. And indeed, we see that earlier on in this episode where Ascusa brings all, all of this arguably unnecessary crap with her, like the uh, sneakers and whatnot, you know, and the doll around the neck and this comical twig that she thinks she's going to bat off ghosts with. Amazing. It's what makes her comfortable, so I'm not I'm not mocking her by it. I'm just saying it's not really necessary. Mm-hmm. But then, then we see that this same imagination, this same you know survivalist attitude that you brought before mm-hmm. that she's really into, pulls them out of a jam. And indeed, she and um, in the when they first went through the room, she says we got to hug the walls. So, funnily enough, uh, this show like it says you know don't get too deep into your like you know your flights of fantasy and your da- daydreaming. But it also says that there are times when that can be really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, because you have the creativity then to solve problems in front of you and also the foresight to bring necessary tools that you might need. So I like the nuance that adds. It says, hey, you know what? It's bad in some cases, but it's great in others. It's just a question of how you use it and just not letting you, you know, get yourself too distracted. So I thought it was pretty neat. Very cool. Um, yeah. Did it happen? I... They they didn't do the trademark, you know. Woo, woo, woo. They did not know, which is usually the has always accompanied greatest world um, phenomena. <clears throat> so, I would be I would bet that it did happen. Although, 
I understand where you're coming from, doubting it. I think it makes. I think it's better if it did happen for that very reason that I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you are indeed right that there are no other signifiers. I mean, do you are you really mean to tell me that you know if it wasn't the greatest world that uh, you know Ascusa wouldn't have used a jetpack or something like that? <laughs> exactly. Having having <laughs> having this like bear grills shit here, you know, of, of like of like no, not even bear grills. This point and click adventure, blending your items in your inventory and then using it on the that's what it is. She clicks on the right prompt for all that. Azekin is a point-and-click adventure game from Telltale. Or classic LucasArts. Oh, Sierra, man, for sure. Shit, yeah. no, in fact, in fact, no. Oh my god, I need this to happen. I want fan art of the Azekin Club members in Day of the Tentacle. Oh my god, it's like a... That would be incredible. It's a eye game. <laughs> oh my god, that's that's so good. But yeah, you totally know that they would have done something like a jetpack. That would have been great. Um, so yeah, I'm inclined to believe you on that one, but I again think that that serves a point. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it's not a deep or serious or laboured point, and I think that that's something that you and I need to be careful about, Doc, is that we like talking about serious about things like class conflicts and wealth and all that kind of stuff, but Azekin is very light-hearted in its approach, and I think that, you know, you need to just just go with it. Just enjoy it. Serious. Doesn't mean you can't take some meaning. Anime on, is though. serious. Anime is serious, serious business. business. How dare you? How Which is why we were talking about species reviewers before. Okay. And dicks. <laughs> anime is yep. dicks. Is that our next poll question? Anime is dicks. I'm gonna yes do no? is anime serious business. That's that's gotta go. Oh man, right. Well, that's it. The insects exploding. <laughs> I'm just gonna go and you know lie down a little bit. Be fine. Um. So my next point. I know I had it here. Uh, oh. Um. So. Uh, for a couple weeks, at least. I think we have talked about uh, this anime and the anime industry and also in a general sense, like the when making art comes up against making a product and it becomes a for-profit thing and you know, when, when money enters into the equation, does it compromise your art? All this sort of stuff. And I actually think this episode is a, is a serves as a really nice um, counterpoint to people like me who were saying like, well, yeah, definitely in some sense. Because like, you know, this episode is great about showing that um, art, your, your art can be uh, a product, but it can still nourish your soul doing it. Why not both? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it totally can. It, now, is it going to every single time? I mean, I think artists in chat would easily say no. It's not like, you know, people want different things and I get... Sometimes I want to draw my OC and sometimes I want to put food on the table. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I know these mm-hmm. are not necessarily compatible goals mm-hmm. for some people. Right, right. Um, you know, uh, sometimes you have to make Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, or no, you never have no, to make no, Fifty Shades of Grey. No, no one <laughs> No one had to do that. They were no. Um, is your lava lamp okay? Yes, my lava lamp okay, is it's working, working again. again. Good. Uh, I I hope I don't know if you for those of you who are listening on you know audio form only or were not here at the start. Uh, what was currently in my lava lamp like after it probably been used a bit too much recently looks well. It looked like Lovecraft snot. <laughs> basically, it was not, it was it was not a pleasant shape, uh, and I thought, oh god, a otherworldly flip. But thankfully. It, <laughs> Thankfully, it has been decidedly unfucked, and it looks great again, so that's good. 
but uh, not not a whole ton like more to elaborate about this point. I just thought, you know, this is a really nice way to do this as it was it was you know conveyed really well that like yes hey we're doing this for money we need money um it's important that we get this money to make other things we want to make but what is being asked of us is actually something where we could test like test ourselves right and Mm. something that we could be uh artistically ambitious about and we could have like great ideas about and you know, I, I'm sure, like, I mean, I've even experienced this in my job, and I don't even make art for a living, but, like, I'll be approaching a project, and when I first hear about it, I'll be like, oh, my God, <laughs> like, this yep. thing? Who cares been about there, that? Been there. Uh, and then, been there many times. And then when you hear people talk about it, like, when it's presented to you in a meeting, like a pitch meeting or something, and you see it laid out on paper, and you it starts to uh, kind of join up with, previous experiences you've had and you can visualize it more all these things are pointed out in the episode about like experience and being able to visualize outcomes like you start to get these ideas and you start to get excited about doing oh i could totally see like a way to do this that would make it better or um i get how this would work or like i'm excited to see if uh the program or the platform that i'm gonna put this on will be um will i have to like work with it and like really kind of just jam it in there or will it seamlessly work? Like, um, I don't know. Have you had those kind of experiences before at your job where you, you get into a project midway through because of people, because of the way they talk about it or seeing something about it? It's been a while. I say with deep resignation. (laughs) Uh, I have, I have admittedly. Mm -hmm. Um, but then again, my job is not so much artistic as it is very data-driven, and the problem with data is it also can be incredibly dry. That's true. That's true. But I guess the larger point being that, like, you can you can do things that the express purpose is to pay the bills, but, like, you can find little mm. pockets or even great big pockets I, in I have, those I have, things yeah, that, like, excite I have, you. I have had that happen when I've, when I've like, programmed custom, yep. like, you know... VBA projects, for mm-hmm. example, that's always been the most enjoyable part of my job. When I get to start really flexing, okay, I'll put this here. And will this this work? How this link is here? How do I make this? I'll not bore you, Steph, with the specifics, but you can see already like that kind of process mm-hmm. there. And that also instantly makes the hours fly by. Yeah. You start, you put your head in that VBA panel there, and it's like going <laughs> from Azekins, like you know, chair flying into the screen, and you come back out again. It's like finishing something. Like shit, dog. <laughs> Where'd the time go? It's dark outside. Ah, mm. uh, right. Uh, so my next point, I want to talk again about how good this show is at using its visuals in a subtle way without necessarily also then playing its hand as it does, which it, hey, good on it for doing so. But you remember when I talked about the Call of Duty aesthetic at the very beginning? I do. You know what I think that might represent? What's that? I think it, like, Askers has, like, been displayed thus far as nervous and anxious about meeting other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that the intent behind this whole build-up to her meeting the robot club for the first time is that she knows she's going to meet mm-hmm. them. Ah, and it's a sense of nervousness. Yeah, yeah that's good. That she has. Mm-hmm. and Because it is her it's world that like she's concocting here. And, and the thing is, she's now entering someone else's world mm-hmm. for that matter. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of blending together and she feels like a bit overwhelmed by it. Has to treat it as something to be suspicious about. 
that you know we've got these MIB kind of thing going on here with the giant foot like footsteps. Like her imagination is filling in for her here as a kind of coping mechanism. I'm not saying it's a deep like you know psychological trauma anxiety thing where she simply won't go there but rather i think that it fits her character perfectly and again mm-hmm. builds on that element where she can be anxious or can be scared because her imagination does what human imagination often does best slash worst which is that mm-hmm. it will fill in the gaps for you in the worst way possible particularly if you're anxious so i really really like that both in terms of just how it like is funny in its own right this old little like you know secret agent like run run like you know don't oh my god she tripped over the power cord so good and then that and then got knocked out i like that's fun in its own right but again it builds more character and that's to the show's credit that it continues to do that and again the show has also done a really good job in priming you to pay attention for these kind of things mm-hmm. so good on that good on them for doing that mm-hmm. i really really liked it and indeed if you think about it bookends the episode really well because then in the end she's entered their world if you will mm-hmm. But they're in hers at the end when they start collaborating. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, very good stuff. Um, so I another thing I really like about this episode is uh, how it shows. And again, I don't think that they beat you over the head with this, like you said, but that making anime in particular is um, a very collective process. And mm. that everybody needs to be like you have, there needs to be, um, you don't all have to like agree with everything, but like you got to kind of be no. on the same page, right? And be of one accord and pulling in the same direction. Um, at least is what the show seems to be trying to say because there's an entire business like, uh, science if you will behind Mm -hmm. the art of project making like i've actually been trained in a little bit of it like how to do project management Mm -hmm. uh, how to build a case profile like how to do problem solving Mm -hmm. uh using uh what is called lean six sigma if you've ever heard of that oh i've heard of it but like it's been forever i can't remember anything about it (laughs) i'm I'm actually i'm actually a yellow belt in that would you believe it's the lowest rank okay that's good i wish it was in dan instead but you know we can't get we always get what we want can we um but yeah, like that's a whole part of mm-hmm. it. Like now, granted, some you don't necessarily need that in order to make projects happen, but sometimes having an awareness that can help, and this is also why Kanamori is so vital. So vital. So vital. And I guess like so I actually don't think I express myself very clearly. Because what you're talking about is important. And I think the show does address that, especially at the end. But like in terms of making an anime project just them talking about different things shows you that like so many people have to be um, have to share a vision. Like when they're talking about going into the sewer, like why are they doing that? Well, they need to have experiences that they can, their imagination can draw on to try to spin into original images. They need um, inspiration. They need also to, have some kind of shared idea about the setting because if they mm. don't that well, it's, will it's, it's not even just the same as well actually just to mention because i get the feeling that uh Askers would never have conjured up that crab monster had she not been in that setting where they saw the pipe sewer network oh yeah know? yeah no for sure like it could like um yes conceiving of that stuff like you get ideas from being out in the world which is Part of why, like, I think people like Miyazaki and other really older anime people will tell tell you, 
Like, and even Western animators like Chuck Jones will say, like, don't just be an animation buff. Like, go out into the world and do other things and have other hobbies. Because you need, you need well, like, fresh experiences. this is what we said about the very first episode mm-hmm. as well. Like, how what seems mundane can suddenly be amazing if looks at mm-hmm. differently. Well, because if everyone has the same set of influences, you after a couple of generations, you have a very sort of stale, inbred, creative pool that you're drawing on. Oh, everyone's mm-hmm. referenced these hundred anime over and over and over. This isn't realistic. <laughs> like it, you, you get a bunch of Onos. Well, and it just like becomes the same stuff without like that sort of spark that um, new experiences and fresh perspectives can bring, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but like think about like, you know, it, it, are, they all need to look at the setting because the setting influences movement the movement of the characters like it's something that you like makes intuitive sense but i've never thought about it before like in just as a simple thought like you know the set like i mean you think about it without thinking about it or at least i do like that you know the background people and the concept people and the character people have to be like they have to be in clicking like they have to be in sync because like if a character needs to do a certain kind of movement then the certain settings can't work. And if certain settings yeah. are in place, that like influences how the characters interact with the settings and move around. So like just the amount of people again that have to like share a vision um to just get anime off the ground is pretty like incredible. And uh like Yukinon says in chat, like uh, it takes you know thousands <laughs> uh, studios. I don't know if I don't, is that true that there are a, a thousand people working on an anime project. I would think it will Probably be small. I think it will be say. you know hundreds. I could believe, but um, or scores, but um, oh, one Masaki Yuasa. <laughs> oh, sorry, not Masaki Yuasa. I meant to say, uh, God, Mikoto Shinkai. Mm, sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, funnily enough, like I- I'd love it if, like, I mean, we've already said, like, you know, about how this this. Sh- show is like you know promoting like hey go out and create anime but that's actually already happened like he's done that mm-hmm. and look at him now man man's making bank this he's he's like the poster child of like just just do you man follow your dream and you never know fucking in 20 years you could be king shit of the world <laughs> like makoto shinkai you could be pissing off the boomer anime creators like uh you know <laughs> What was his name again? Why can I not remember the name of the guy who does Gundam? What's wrong with me? What's wrong uh, with my Tamino. brain? Why is my Yo- brain... Yoshiki Tamino. Yeah, you could, be, you, could be, you could be pissing off Tamino, <laughs> yeah, you know, and all the other anime boomers. No, I hear you, Yuki. Why don't they fuck? There are a lot of people... Why don't they fuck? <laughs> There's a lot of people in sound design and in-betweeners and outsourcing and people do CG, people do background. Like, there's a lot of people involved. Um, but, uh, you know, I've seen credits lists. I don't think that they're in the in the thousands. Oh, the thing is, how many times have we talked about credit lists not actually including maybe for everything? A, maybe for that. a movie. Maybe if you're doing. Maybe oh, for sorry, Zeus. Right, it's Oshi, not uh, Tamino that I was referring to. Oh, it's, what but did anyway, you? I missed. Uh, I said to I said Tamino, but apparently it was Oshi. I don't know. I, I can't remember. Which thing? I missed it. That said, like you know, they were like annoyed at Makosa Shinkai's works. Like, why don't they? Why don't they get together? Oh no, uh, that no that was Yoshiki Tamino. Who said like that? Uh, oh, yeah, that was him because he was talking about. Um, they were interviewing him. Someone's jealous. <laughs> they were... <laughs> yeah, they were interviewing him 
for um like about his reconquista movies i think his uh his reconquista in g the g reco movies um mm. and yeah he was like oh you know it, anybody could make a, a movie like like that like referring to shinkai and it's like no uh it's, it's all about the longing but but no Did no they... banging <laughs> Did they, did they did they film his interview in black and white so no one could see how green with envy he was? <laughs> it's on Anime News Network if you want to look at it. <laughs> like, uh, um, if you Google like Tamino Shinkai or uh, you know any like the probably the latest interview that. When do we get the Tamino boxing match done? between those uh, we, two? I'd like to we see should, that. We should have one. There's a lot of great inter anime feuds in terms of like creators, like. Some are uh, some are loving like between uh, Anno and um, uh, Miyazaki. That's an even less of a feud, more of a playful mentor mentee relationship. But Miyazaki and Oshi will go at each other. But there's there's mutual respect there. I deep down, I think, I, I hope <laughs> he was he ripped Ponyo that time. <laughs> really Man. Oh, but but I don't think that there is between uh, for, with Tamino for Shinkai. I think this is just. He does not respect the man's work. <laughs> there are a lot of grumpy anime creators. Yes, it's a great thing. I love it. I love these shitty, shitty old uh, fucking beefs. <laughs> give me, give me another five years, and I'll, I'll be that. I just won't be making anime. I'll just be grumpy and creating <laughs> stuff. <laughs> uh, um, right. I have one more talking point, uh, if I yeah. may. Okay, so. Let's talk about realism versus versus fantasy. And when I say fantasy, I'm not talking as in elves and dragons and shit. I'm just talking the unreal, you know, like the imagination. Mm-hmm. Because beyond simply just, you know, the actual specifics of the discussions the Robot Club have with uh, the Aizuken, specifically Askuza, uh, but also Mizuzaki to a little bit more of an extent. And Kanamori, you know, focus on the money. Dollar signs, that sort of thing. But Beyond, like, the specifics of, like, actual design on the robot, like, what this episode is also uh, going into at length is the idea of realism versus fantasy and what cases to be made for one versus the other. Because it is very clear, even to the point where it references real-world robotics from the laboratory that I can't remember the name of. There's your running thing for me, by the way. But that dog, I've seen that dog <laughs> in that... No, it's Boston Boston Dynamics, I think it was. Yes, oh, there we funny. go. Oh, that's funny. I wonder if that's... Uh... yeah. If that's like a no, the the, the dog shaped mm-hmm. robot was from Boston Dynamics, yeah, yeah, and that fucking thing can open doors. Oh, <laughs> like we're screwed, we are done. That's yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, it ain't no you know living tissue over a metal endoskeleton, but it is basically a velociraptor built by man. So that's great. Oh, but great. no, like they of course mentioned the, that that's a real mm-hmm. robot, and then of course you have well, what about the JCB digger that mm-hmm. kind of thing, um. And so, Ono, oh like, as much as I've picked on him, I actually think that the show is also advocating for a kind of middle ground when it's appropriate. Because, obviously, you're never going to have a totally realistic robot, like, you know, in a robot show. Because then it will just be that dog robot. And, well, unless you're Boston Dynamics and you decide, you know, hey, you know what? I'll make a, I'll make an anime advert for my new robot. Like, but you won't make a story out of it. It won't be that interesting or appealing. Like, you know, they're more of a fascinating curiosity mm-hmm. than anything to us regular people. But what I think it's trying to get across here is that realism itself can actually be a draw because it helps keep things, ground- sure. keep things grounded. And I think that's really, really important. Like, I, like when we say, for example, the piston punch from Big O, like the Big O robot is complete nonsense if you think about it. But the piston punch, you? like, you know, <laughs> it, it feels very physical and very mm-hmm. real. 
and that in itself because it is has that little bit of grounding behind like how it's built from mechanics like that you can understand so that i think is quite important and also then with the switches and stuff like again it makes it more comprehensible as a piece of equipment we might recognize rather than something that's completely yeah, alien than like you know having the lady sit on all fours in front of you and you grab onto the handles and that's all there is as far as the controls. <laughs> that's it and you just link up to the shitty robo brain <laughs> i fucking hate you <laughs> the worst kind of cockpit did did you can tell you to do that in private message i was all me you're a you're a fucking liar <laughs> the bird emerges from below oh, i gotta get i've gotta get back i can't actually get back up now this is <laughs> oh, no. there we go there we go i'm better oh oh there goes me discs right anyway so there is that uh, and then, of course, they also say about, like, moving the panels around, like, you know, that it's about compromise. But, yeah, realism and grittiness can actually really, really help um, with selling a robot show in of itself. So I do think that's also really important for, um, you know, some creators consider that sometimes, hey, you know what? Like, it's all well and good having this crazy, fantastical magic role. Like, say the Major Z, for example, the olden ones. And there is a time and place for that. But just because realism doesn't mean you can't make you know, robots in real life doesn't mean you can't incorporate realistic elements for artistic purpose. You know, you can do yeah. both. Yeah, it depends so on again, the story you, you want to tell, I, right? Yeah. So if that's one thing that I've got to say about Aizken in general is that all all the things it's had to say thus far about the anime production process, it's done sort of a fair bit of nuance. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you've had your own concern about like, you know, how it portrays like, you know, this entire process is something to be idolized. Like, you know, hey, I'm a pro, like, you know, stay up late at night and all I'll that. Abuse and my body. I'm still waiting to see. Yeah, that, that wasn't yeah, I'm still waiting to see mm-hmm. other rest. Yeah, that was that didn't come into play this week, but um, but yeah, no, I had concerns. Indeed, Harvey also actually then wonders if that does support your point though, what's because they're taking on this anime project now, and surely it's a big deal for them to do this just for the robot club on the site. It's not like you know they're helping them like, you know, do technical drawings. They're making a whole blown anime for them and like that can't be easy. Yeah, we've we'll seen see. how difficult it was for you know the previous mm-hmm. one. So who can who can say? It'll be interesting to see. But I do appreciate. I do appreciate the nuance it, it presents, like you know, with all of these approaches, like realism versus you know fantasy, and the perks of both. And I'm talking not just in terms of creating anime, but also you know, like the stuff, as I say, with Askuza, you know, walking around the wooden. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, the wooden floor, for example, like how, hey, imagination sometimes can be, you know, a bad thing, but also can be very, very useful. That's right. So Yuki, and I really like that. Yuki does point out correctly, like, you're right. Like, it's it's just like a preview animation. So ah. hopefully, like, it will be not as taxing. So so we won't get bedhead. Yeah, that, that shouldn't be a I, thing. I would find that really, I would find that really funny if as an in-joke, they reuse the animation of her getting out from under there, just, just wholesale, just dub different lines mm-hmm. over it. That would be that would be quite funny that I think, especially given the content. <laughs> oh man. So you you mentioned Ono. Should we talk about um should we talk about Ono some? I feel like we haven't really to what what's going on with him? And do you find him annoying? Uh or do you find him relatable? Or do you both? I think he's mostly there as comic relief, but I think he does have a very fair point that you know, part of the reason we might grip to realism like, you know, so extensively in fiction is because we want to truly believe that it can be real, even though it cannot. It's kind of like a contradictory uh, view that's held in your head, like a double think state, if you will, mm. where I only want the realism because I know full well it can never be real. 
Um, so I can understand that from Solid, but I think mostly he serves just as comic relief. And I'm okay with that, because Azekin is arguably a comedy. And A, as Yukinon says in chat, he's passionate about something he loves. Fair place to him. He just, unfortunately, was so passionate, listen, almost got himself killed by listen. Kanemori. Listen. Not everyone who's passionate about things that they love are, like, plotting the overthrow of our of our Azokin. <laughs> so, I don't, I mean, like, to me, like, hang on, I'm trying to reload here. I have to reload chat so I won't be able to look at some recent messages because I'm trying to post poll four. See, poll four colon paste. There we go. Sometimes a restream chat has to reset. Anyway, um, I don't know, man. He seemed like a, that's really like super abrasive kind of nerd that uh, in real life, you'd be like super embarrassed by being around him as he's, um, you know. Like I said, he could host a podcast. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I respect the passion. I too, as you probably can note, I am passionate about robot anime. Um, mm. But, you know. Have you ever fretted a film club? I have not. I mean, that's I, clearly the next, that's no, the next level. I mean, of being passionate. as far as like his social. Oh, that's a deep cut, Yuki. Jesus Christ. As far as. <laughs> Man, that's also very topical right now as well. Damn. Like socially, he's got a, a ways to go. Um, to he's he's got to step his game up and and look n- not all the ladies of the Azerkin are, um, you know social titans but Asakusa, I don't know I just find like crippling anxiety way more relatable and less annoying than like I'm gonna scream in your face and snot all over you about how great ro- robots are. Um, I think I think I think Vraskus like uh, the way she sees it is that she doesn't really have or hasn't until recently had anyone to really nerd out about this kind of stuff with. Yeah. And so now that she can, she does it, but she does it with that person, as opposed to Ono, who, well, he left his filter at home, you know, in his spare pants, like, ten years ago. Maybe it's just a function of how I relate to guys versus girls as well, because, like, Asakusa does, like, you remember that part in the first episode where she's just vomiting words all over Kanemori? It's like... Just rattling off like details and everything, and she's just like, Asakusachi, we have to chill. Let's go watch the movie, okay? <laughs> we'll be cool. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, she can do that too. Um, you gotta know your audience. Yeah, I, I guess it just, just may a pers- be a personal thing for me. But um, the rest the rest Cesar of the robot correct, clubs though, seem cool. Um, Cesar is correct, though, that the, the, the uh, you know, when the Azekin first turned up, they did kind of go in a bit hard on certain elements of the robot. Yeah. Like, oh, it's only three feet tall, you know, like, this is barely big enough to fight a giraffe. Oh, incidentally, by the way, one of the most amazing uh, insert lines in the concept art for the crab pistol, the pistol crab, is can kill an African elephant instantly or something. I'm like, okay, fair enough. (laughs) That's a thing. The crab tool is amazing. By the way, you all should Google pistol shrimp videos. Like if you don't, if yes. you've not seen the pistol shrimp, cause they're amazing. Like it's some real life fucking ridiculous. Like the first comment <clears throat> under one of the pistol shrimp videos that I sent you should on was, um, fist of the North shrimp. <laughs> it's true. It's so <laughs> true that like the camera has to be going at like 10,000 frames a second to capture 
the the flash of light, heat, and like the vacuum created mm-hmm. by the punch of that thing. Um, such a cool animal. I got God. I got wrapped up in watching animal docs again this weekend. It's just, nature docs are like my hidden secret passion. I oh, they're so. I love animals. I love animals. I should go work at a zoo or something because I just they're so fascinating to me. Um, uh, but uh, so yeah. Oh no, like I think ultimately he gets to this place where he's a fun character. You know what I mean? Like now that they're all working together, his passion, it's, mm-hmm. it's like fun that he's really into it. Um, but when he, yeah, in the beginning, I was kind of out on him. <laughs> maybe that's a, maybe that's a lesson from the show in of itself that, you know, uh, you have to find your audience or know when it's the right time to truly start laying that out there. Well, it's like they say, you know, like uh, Katamori says, like, you know, hey, uh, you, you have to... Um, have people to appreciate your work i have to put it out in the light of day Mm -hmm. as they crawl deeper and deeper into a dark (laughs) sewer away from all sources of light i found a very funny juxtaposition (laughs) Mm, absolutely all right uh, i'm all talks out anyway have you got any more punch one added um a couple things uh so the pistol shrimps i mentioned and I just talked about that funny juxtaposition that I was going to bring up. I guess the only other thing that I wanted to talk about, and every episode in the show does this, so it's not like a like a brand new thing. Um, but I, I just love that each and every episode, it highlights, um, like, yeah, this is animation right here. We're doing this as an anime, and this is our medium of choice, and here's why because of the amazing things that you can do in animation. I just love the fact that like every week at some point, whether it's the greatest world or whether it's something different, um, because Mizusaki was doing this too. Like, you know, saying like, Oh, we can blow that up. And then it actually animates blowing up. Like, Mm. I love that imagination kind of coming to life on screen, that like physical manifestation um, of of characters emotions and thoughts and it helps us like relate to Mm. them it's really fun it adds to the charm of the show it emphasizes like the core message of the show which is the animation is incredible um i love that they're doing it and i hope that you know i know they will continue to do it that's going to be that's probably going to be what we're all going to walk away from you know with like the show is you know what Mm. this show made me i mean most people that watch probably already know but it's like it reemphasized to me how incredible animation is. Absolutely, I agree. All right then, um, I suppose that means it's time for us to start closing out. Doc, could you give us a summary of the polls? See how they're yep. looking right now. Let me do the old refresh here, so that I can uh, refresh the thread. And um, it's been a little slow, but here we go. All right, our polls for this week. Here's where we stand now. And remember, you can go to Twitter at WaterWeDeshow, W-A-R-U-I-D-E-S-H-O-U on Twitter. And you can vote in these for the next week. Um, mm-hmm. Change the results by next episode. I believe in you. Uh, did Asakusa's rescuing the Azokin from the sewer really happen? Uh, at the moment, 77% say yep. 22% say nah. Greatest world stuff going on there. Um... Poll two, is there anything Kanemori can't do? 
Um, sadly, this vote is split uh, 60-40. Nothing, 60% is winning. Solve the climate crisis is <laughs> 40%. And that's like darkly comedic. I mean, <laughs> like, because, yeah. You know, not even Kanamori can unfuck the planet. Um, poll three. Do you need the juice? 100% say yes. Poll four. You're all very thirsty. <laughs> I need the juice. Uh, who is actually more annoying? Azokan or the Robot Club? It's early days, but Robot Club has it with 100% so far. And uh, will anyone vote for the Azokan? <laughs> I don't think so, but we'll see. I think that the message is going to, they're going to like, reply and say like i'm voting for the robot club but i don't think that they're very annoying i just think the azokin is not annoying in the least so i have to vote robot club by default and that's you haven't realized that's what i'm that's the i'm making you do that that's the the manipulative science of polls (laughs) at work that's the poll shadon that's where we are Excellent. Thank you very much, Doc. Okay, everyone. Uh, I suppose we'll close out now by talking about I'm gonna add a, final I'm going to add a fifth tips. poll, by the way. It's not up yet, but Ooh. look for the fifth poll. It's going to be, do you fear the pistol shrimp? <laughs> well, I think we all know the answer to that yes, one. Yes, we do. All right. So, for me, I still really like this episode, but I think that I, I kind of waver a little bit on how much I like it, just because I thought... Could we continue on, you know, from the momentum of the previous one, have them be like, you know, on the afterglow of, of getting the budget approved and then, you know, continue on to their next projects. But this episode does indeed serve its own purposes. And I really, really enjoyed the ideas it put across, you know, about collaboration and also the new challenge of trying to appease and work with an outgroup. Um, but I think that because it doesn't quite have the momentum following through from those previous episodes, it didn't quite hit as strongly with me. But I still really liked it. So in the end, I am going to give this episode uh, 4.25 glow-in-the-dark sneakers out of 5. Wow. Four and a quarter. That's still pretty wow. good. That's still pretty wow. good. Yeah, okay. That's an, that's an 85%. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, that's, that's, that means it's an okay game on Metacritic. Come on, man. Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> God damn you. Um, poll 5 is up now. Um, how do I rate this episode, buddy? Um, well, to me, so here is where, uh, we differ is that like, I think episodes one and four were like the best ones. Oh, I agree. I actually do agree with you on that. But I think episodes two and three... I were like of a piece with this one in terms of quality. Um, yeah. So I, I am going to go a little bit higher than you. I'm going to go um, four and a half. Cause I think that's probably what I gave episode three. And I think this one is right there. And like what it may lack in terms of the like continuing story that you were wanting for me, like it, it makes up for in the robotage, uh, <laughs> which I, which I love. <laughs> So yeah, I'm gonna give this one uh, four and a half um, robo drills out of five. That'll do then. All right then, uh, and oh come on, Grizzly, you you know that I've always hated Azekin. Hate the bones off it. He's saying chat. I can't believe Shane hates Azekin now. I'm like now, now, 
Come on. Get with the times, bro. Hate it since the beginning. <laughs> just all a facade. You know, just peels away. Uh, no, I fucking love this show. I'm not going to lie. And I'm still very curious to see if anything will better it this year thus far. Uh, I mean, we've got some good stuff coming up later on, but it's going to be a tough one. I mean, Masaki Uasa throwing the gauntlet down again at the start of a year. Who'd have thought, hey? It's what he likes to do. Man's, man's making it into a career. What can I say? All right. Anyway, thank you all very much for joining us this fine evening to talk about Aizuka number five. Uh, I hope you've all got something out of it. Um, we will be back next week, of course, to cover Aizuka number six. And Jesus Christ, the fact I'm even saying Aizuka six makes me feel a little sick just because it's halfway done. Oh. When you think of it like that, is that not the worst feeling? Well, there is a manga. But is it... I don't know the situation with how long it is or if it's still going or what. You know it'll get released over here, though. Well, I'm getting, I'm getting a double uh, Yuasa fix this month because I'm watching all of Aza but I'm also watching uh, Ride Your Wave. Hell yeah. Uh, that's happening uh, two weeks today, so I'm looking forward to that. Very it's exciting. Interesting. All right. Uh, but yeah, if you have enjoyed this podcast... Uh, Take the opportunity to engage with us if you can. If you want to get do so financially, you can do so on our Patreon, as I mentioned before. Uh, otherwise, uh, feel free to, you know, like, subscribe, follow, share the usual stuff on whatever channel you may be uh, checking this out on, wherever you may be getting mm-hmm. this podcast from. It always helps. Uh, otherwise, thank you very much for your time. Uh, you can find Doc on Twitter at... The Subtle Doctor. Uh, again, he's above me, but I'm just pointing over there geographically. I'm being accurate to the geography of the planet. Uh, he's, he's not in space. As much as he wishes he was. Yeah, what are you doing your guest spot on the uh, on the International Space Station, Doc? Well, I check our Twitter, at Show for updates. Yeah, we're going to shoot Doc into space <laughs> against his will. It's going to be great. I'm looking I'm forward to excited. that. Very excited. Just, just, see, just see Doc's face float from right to left across the camera. Help me! Look, I didn't know I'd be filming in zero-G. That's a little bit of a... That's a. That's well, a what, would, what would you hate more, filming in zero G or covering, uh, recovering Elf and lead with me? I'm sorry, co- covering Man. what? I missed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I'll leave it that okay. then. I'm not even. I'm not even going to tell you. You can listen to this later and catch okay. that uh, little nugget there. I know that you've got like the uh, roulette wheel of answers to what awful piece of shit I just mentioned going through your head. So oh I'll leave boy. that for you to decide. Oh boy. So uh, until next time, when we finally shoot Doc into space, everyone, uh, I hope you all have a great evening. Thank you very much again for joining us. Uh, and much as he, he will be when he finally gets shot up there, we're just going to say embrace each other, everyone, to the end of the universe. Good night. Good night. We'd like to say thank you to our new friend, Maso Soundworks, for allowing us to use his track GPS as the intro theme. And thanks to our longtime buddy, once again, Garode Music, Michael Kelly, for allowing us to use. The track Every Day is Night from Valhalla for the outro music. And a very special thank you to each and every one of our patrons. If you'd like to become a patron, head on over to patreon.com slash waterydesho. Show.